If you turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 5, um, Acts chapter 5 is a bit of a scary chapter. Uh, the beginning of Acts chapter 5, we'll, we'll maybe look at that in brief, but um, I'm going to start at verse 12, and um, a very interesting bit of scripture that seems to contradict itself in some ways, but uh, Anyway, it raises various interesting things. It says this, verse 12 of Acts 5. The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. So that seems to contradict itself. No one, everybody's... No one dared join them, but people were added to their number every day. But if you read the beginning of that particular chapter, you read about Ananias and Sapphira and how they're trying to cheat uh, the church or God out of a sale of some land and how they're lying about it as well and how they get struck down dead. So you can imagine people being a bit scared of the apostles. So no one dared join the apostles but they saw the church, and they saw the love, and they saw the church growing, and they knew that they needed to join that. So that's where the contradiction ends. As a result, people brought those who were ill into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least pieces of shadow might fall on them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing those who were ill and tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. And I just want to highlight that, verse 15 there. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them passing by. I want to talk about shadows uh, this morning. Denise has gone, hasn't she? She loves Cliff Richard and the shadows, doesn't she? But um, shadows, shadows. We all have a shadow. If you've ever owned a dog and you've seen the dog notice his shadow, it's quite interesting. It drives the dog mad. He used to drive our dog mad. He used to chase his shadow round and round and round. And uh, you see little kids doing it as well when they, when they notice their, their shadow. But if the sun's out, You've always got a shadow. If the sun's there, you've always got a shadow. And I want us to think about that. The families of that day were so desperate and lots of people were suffering from all kinds of things, sickness, illness. People were disabled in, in, in many, many ways. They looked to Peter because they saw Peter's ministry of healing and praying for people and seeing things happen but there was a lot of religious superstition around in that day seemed to be part of that 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 judaistic religion there's a lot of religions these days that are largely superstition and peter's shadow didn't have a power of its own but they believed somehow that even if his shadow were, fell across their loved ones who were struggling in some way, maybe that might bring healing to that, uh, that particular person. And really that's a picture 
that's not changed over the years, over the centuries. It's not changed. There's still many, many people lost, hopeless, in terrible need, and there's so much heartache around. So really, even though this was many, many centuries ago, it's just the same today. In fact, have you tried getting in your doctors? You can't get in, can you? Try getting in the hospital. Goodness gracious. But um, people are in desperate, desperate need. The suffering and the loss were waiting for someone to pass by, to perhaps cast the shadow across them. Not just the downtrodden, not just the oppressed, it's not just the sad and the lonely or the discouraged or the needy. Also, in our day and age, it's the rich, it's the famous, it's the self-confident, it's the arrogant. Every single one of us needs Jesus. Every single one of us needs the influence of Jesus uh, in our lives. And just as the guys earlier, Solomon and Nathan, were talking about people that have uh, ch- changed their perspective on things or, or made a big impression on, on, on their lives. I want to ask you the question today, you know, what, who is your shadow falling upon? Who is your shadow falling upon? Because we all have a shadow and it all falls across other people's paths. And you can be a fantastic influence for Jesus or you can be quite destructive and quite discouraging, depending on on how you do that. And the world is looking to us as Christians. Now, that might not sit comfortably with you, because you might think, well, I I don't have much confidence in myself. I don't have the ability. I'm not eloquent or anything like that. I can't really explain maybe even the gospel to people. But Jesus says, go into all the world. Go into all the world and preach the good news. Take this good news. So what kind of shadow are we casting? We need to determine afresh to cast the good shadow. So point one about shadows. Our shadow is inevitable. Our shadow is inevitable. Regardless of how tall we are, how big we are, I was going to get Where's the Addy who takes the photographs? Ginormous guy. I was going to get him to come and stand at the side of me because uh, he's going to cast a bigger shadow than me, isn't he? But regardless of our stature, regardless of our background or our social status or anything like that, our education, we all cast a shadow. Whether we're rich, whether we're poor, whether believers or, or non-believers, you know, sometimes people are call themselves believers, but the way that they act, the way that they are, the things that they get involved in, even spreading a little bit of bad rumor or gossip or, or whatever, we're all tempted in that way. But it's an influence that's not always for good, but it's a shadow that we can cast. And it's inevitable. It's inevitable, the effect that we can have on people. Jesus teaches throughout the Gospels about the influence that we can have on people. The rest of the New Testament writers go on, Paul and Peter and John, they all go on to to continue on the fruit of the Spirit, the goodness of God. And Jesus teaches no end of times, go now and do likewise. Give this spiritual teaching a practical application in your life because your life 
is a life of influence. Your shadow falls across people. So our shadow is inevitable. You know, if we desire to get involved in the things of the world and the, uh, and the attitudes of the world, then you can, you can guarantee that we will have an influence that's not all that good. We might be tempted to get involved in a little bit of gossip or something like that at work or, or we perhaps don't like the look of somebody or whatever and we, we, we tell a bad story about them. That has an effect. Or we can choose to spread encouragement and goodness. And even with people who perhaps we, we, we seem like we're not going to get on, you know, see what's good about them and spread that good stuff because our shadow is inevitable. It can be good or it can be evil. Our shadow is silent. You know, there's many things that we do in public. You know, we can preach, we can teach, we can sing, we can testify. But really, the greatest influence of our lives, probably 90%, is in how we are, what we do, the silent things that we, that we, do, that we get involved in or that we, that we show. There's only 10%. It comes out of our mouths. Many years ago in England, there was a, a book written, and it was called, it was just entitled, John Inglesant. And you may never have heard of it. You may never have heard of the author, a guy, Joseph Shorthouse. I know what he's thinking. And he was born in Birmingham in 1834, and he only wrote one book, in his life, his poor wife had to listen every night to the next few pages that he'd, uh, he'd written. And he never left Birmingham. He, he was a Quaker. He never went on holiday anywhere, never traveled anywhere. In fact, he never left Edgbaston, where he grew up in, in, in Birmingham. And the book, when he got it published, was a complete flop. Hardly anybody bought it. And he gave away as many copies as he could, but it weren't very many. And his house was full of this, uh, this unsuccessful book. And then one day, the Prime Minister of the time, who was William Gladstone, was sitting for a photograph, for a portrait photograph. And to make the photo more realistic, the photographer asked Gladstone to hold a book, make it look like he was intelligent. The official photo was released, and people all over England saw the Prime Minister of the day, William Gladstone, holding this book, John Inglesant. I don't know where he got it from, but he had this book. All of a sudden, everybody wanted this book. Everybody wanted this book. And it came back to uh, Joseph Shorthouse, and he had a house full of this book, and he made a fortune. And it was the only book he ever read, but it was an absolute bestseller. Such was the influence of that silent book. Now, you might think that your influence, your shadow is quite silent. You keep your mouth shut most of the time. In fact, perhaps you don't really know how to speak. You may even think that your life is a flop. I personally thought my Christian life was a flop. Certainly at school, I don't think I was a good witness whatsoever. In fact, I know I wasn't a good witness. But years and years later, when I met up, when we had a school reunion, we used to sing that song, um, Jarvis Cocker, Pulp, Let's All Meet Up in the Year 2000. 
Some of you know it. And um, so we decided, let's do that. Year 2000, let's meet up, New Year's Day, 12 o'clock noon, where we all used to hang, hang out near a petrol station. You know, we were, we were glamorous guys. <laughs> In fact, we used to hang out at this petrol station and sing Billy Joel songs. That's how sad we were. But one of my friends came all the way from Canada to meet up. And we decided it was freezing cold because it was New Year's Day. We decided to go and sit in the local pub and reminisce and talk. And as I got talking, what do you do these days? What do you do? You know, and I said, well, I'm a, I'm a church minister. Yeah, we thought that, they said. There was always something about you that was different. And, you know, in a good way. <laughs> and I was so, so encouraged because, to be honest with you, most of my school life, I thought I was a lousy witness. I thought I was terrible. I thought my example for Jesus was a complete flop. And yet, people are watching. People are seeing. People are viewing. People are seeing your reaction to certain things or the way that you are in their presence. You know, do you get involved in the gossip? Do you tell lies? Or are you an honest person? You know, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, Timothy says, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. And that applies to every single one of us. Every single one of us. Because, you know, our shadow is silent, but it's powerful. It's powerful. Our shadow represents who I am. I can't change my shadow. It's, what's here? It's quite short. It's got a little bit of a coming on it. And, um, yeah, but I can't change it. It represents who I am. Our lives tell people more about us than our words. In 2 Corinthians 3, Paul writes this, You yourselves are our, our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everybody. Who's reading your life? Who's reading your life right now? People who you love, people who you don't love so much, but they're reading our lives. And how we act, how we react is really important. In Acts 5, the people knew the character of Peter. They saw Peter. Perhaps they even remembered Peter denying Jesus. But then they saw his life change, and they saw how his character was being refined by, by Jesus. And they wanted this influence in their lives and their lives of their good ones, so much so that even if his shadow fell across them, maybe that would, that would do them good. Well, do you know what? Our shadows do fall across people, and it can do good. In South America, oh, she's perked up now, in, uh, in the country of Chile, actually, um, there's a tree called a lantern tree, and it provides shade from the heat of the tropical part of Chile. But what unbeknown to people longing for that shade don't know is that its sap oozes, it's highly poisonous. And people often sit there for shade, but they end up with swollen eyes, swollen faces, their hands start to swell, their breathing is affected, and some people have even died and there's two lessons from that about our shadows. Our shadow 
can be quite poisonous if it's not right. If we're spreading the wrong kind of influence. Or, don't sit under the shadow of somebody else that's affecting you in a bad way. You know, maybe you know somebody who doesn't do you any good at all. And yet you feel that you should spend time with them in some way. Don't let the poison affect you. Don't let the poison affect you. And make sure that if anybody's under your care, then your influence is not poisoning them as well. Find some new friends, if so be it. In fact, John 15 says this, if you belonged to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That's why the world hates you. We're going to get pushback. We're going to get challenged. We're going to get people being quite aggressive to us. But don't be of the world. Don't join in. Be different. Don't spread the poison around. Next to last. Our shadow is indestructible. I can't get rid of it. Whatever it is, it follows me around. I can't, I can't erase it. I can't obliterate it. Once we've cast our shadow of influence, we cannot take it back. I've had people in my life that have left an impression in my life. Some of them for good. Lots of them for good. Some of them have wounded me. Some of them have, have affected me. Some of them, it takes a long time to even find it from God to forgive them. But it does have that effect. And we can have the same effect. And all we can do is look to Jesus for that influence, for his teaching, and apply it in our lives so that we don't have the same effect on other people. John Wesley preached and teached all over the country. And uh, when he was in Cornwall, he spent a long time in Cornwall, and he preached throughout the villages and towns of Cornwall. Over a hundred years later, a nobleman stopped in a village, and he went, he was looking for a, a, a pub. He was looking to have a, a drink, and he couldn't find a single place that served alcohol, because John Wesley preached against alcohol. And a hundred years later, there was no pubs in the village. There was no, nowhere serving alcohol. If you decide to live your life, then your life will have a bearing on other people's lives. It can have a bearing for good or it can have a bearing for not so good. The, the evangelist Philip in the Bible is a great example of this. You know, he was obedient to God. Wherever God wanted to take him, he was obedient. And God whisked him away once. And into the desert, and there was just one guy reading from Scripture, an African guy, an Ethiopian guy. And Philip enabled this guy to see Jesus through the Scriptures that he was reading. He explained to him, and that's just one guy, but it's an African guy. It's an African guy. And if you're African here, probably you can thank Philip for sharing the gospel message with that guy because that's how the gospel first came to Africa. Now I'm going to ask another African guy who's not from Ethiopia, Moses, because he felt that God was saying something right at the very beginning of the service and we've left it till now because it's quite relevant to how our lives affect people and have an influence on others. So I'm going to ask Moses just to share 
what he felt from God. Thank you. Um, sometime during the week, um, during my quiet time, a picture was brought to my remembrance. And that was that a few years ago, I was sitting in the middle there, about the edge there, during a morning service. And I had this picture where I was holding a sword. And it was a very big sword. It, it was so long that it looked like it went through the roof. So that picture was brought back to me and I decided to ask the Lord what he was trying to say to me. And um, he made me to, to realize, as we have already heard today, about the power of the word of God. Now, if you go to Ephesians 6.17, it says, the word of God is the sword of the spirit. And he, he was making me realize that the days we live in is not only the physical that we had, we have warfare, but even more so in the spirit. And we need to be able to use the weapon that God has provided for us to be able to fight effectively in these days. And that soul that he has provided is the word of God. No matter what, I mean, we may not like warfare, but the Bible says contend for the faith, contend for the gifts that God has given you, contend for members of your family, contend for various issues around you and he has made that provision. In fact, the, six part, the um, first few parts of um, Ephesians, it talks about the, the armor of God. So the sword of the spirit is part of that armor. But he wants us to know that we need to use this sword for it to be effective. There is no point having a sword and not using it. And it's part of like the uh, pastor is saying, the influence that we cast on people. But how do we use the word of God? We need to know it, first of all. If you don't know the word of God, you can't use it. And if you know it, then you have to believe it. If you don't believe it, it won't be effective because it's a faith thing and faith is of the heart. And the third point is we need to know how to release it. We know it, we believe it, and we release it. How do we release it? We release it by speaking it out with our mouth, whether it's just in word, maybe casting shadows here and there, whatever, but we need to speak it out in word, in praise, in thanksgiving, and everything God says he has provided us with the weapons, we should use it, not just for ourselves, use it for our neighbors, our friends, to cast a shadow, so to speak, a shadow that will be beneficial to everybody. God bless. Thank you. Thanks, Moses. That ties in really well with my fifth point. Our shadow, as the day goes on, lengthens. And as the years go on in our lives, our shadow should lengthen. As we develop in God, grow in God, soak in God's Word, live out God's Word, if you're an older Christian, there's nothing more tragic than seeing an old Christian who's very immature in their lifestyle. If you're an older Christian and you've been on the road for a long time, your life should be a lot deeper than others. And if it's not, start doing something about it. Because our shadow should lengthen as the day goes on. 
You know, if we live our lives and we desire a deeper walk with God, our influence and our shadow touches more and more people. Our shadow should bless. Shouldn't cause people trouble. Shouldn't cause more strife. It should bring joy. It should bring peace. It should bring encouragement. That's, that's the walk of discipleship. We're walking in the, I can't remember that Eugene Peterson book, a long, slow walk in the right direction. That's exactly how we should be doing if we're getting on in, in our years. And finally, we cast the best shadow when we're in proper relation to the light. Where are we in the light of Jesus? Are we, are we reading his word? Are we spending time in prayer? Are we making the most of opportunities that God gives us with the people who are lost and hopeless? Are we ambassadors for him? Are we allowing our shadow to cast across somewhere? A couple of weeks ago, <laughs> we were going up to see family in Leeds and... Um, a friend of mine just texted me on the way up in the car. I didn't even know I was coming up to Leeds. And he said, um, when are you next coming up to Leeds? So I texted him back. I said, now. So he said, oh, great, because I've sold a guitar amp on eBay. And the guy who's bought it lives in Derby. Is there any chance you can come and pick it up and deliver it to him? Deliveroo. <laughs> and so... I thought, okay, I'll go and pick the guitar amp up. I hadn't seen my friend for a, for a while, so I picked this guitar amp. And on the Sunday afternoon after church, I, uh, I took this guitar amp to Chatterston. And I knocked on this guy's door, lovely Geordie guy, and got talking to him, and he turned out to be a Baptist minister. <laughs> so we blathered away, you know, for ages. And I encouraged him, and he encouraged me, and... You know, very pleasant chat. And Lisa says, you just get chatting to everybody, you. You just talk forever. And, um, and then, when was it? Friday, Friday night, there was, um, there was something on uh, the picture house in Belper at the Ritz that I, I, I really wanted to see this particular film. So I went to see this film with Lisa, and um, it was a great film. And uh, in the loos afterwards, there was a queue and there's a guy behind me, and I just turned around. And I said, it's a great film, that, weren't it? And he went, is it Andy? <laughs> and it was the guy. It was the Baptist minister. So there we are in the gents in Belperist, <laughs> just encouraging one another. <laughs> and, you know, God brings about little meetings that seemingly are insignificant for us to encourage people. And our light that we have is a limited light because we're human beings. But if we're in right relationship with the light, the Son of God, our shadow will have an even bigger influence. Let me encourage you today. Have a reflection. Reflect on your journey with God. Reflect on your life right now. Reflect on just this last couple of weeks, things that you've said things that you've done? Is there some things that perhaps you need to put right? Perhaps need to apologize for, perhaps. Perhaps need to change going forward. Because if we stay in right relationship to the right light, our shadow will have all the more 
strength and effect. I'm going to ask the musicians to come back up. It says in Acts chapter 3, One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. At three in the afternoon, oh, at three in the afternoon, now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. And Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. And then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And Take him in by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. And then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And then all the people saw him walking and praising, and they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to them. And Jesus says this, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Let's bow our heads. Every single one of us, if we say we're a born-again Christian this morning has been given the authority of God to live in that authority, to live under that authority, and to live out that authority. And every single one of us should be seeking to develop and grow and spread his good news, his light. Nothing else, certainly nothing bad, should be good, it should be light, it should be joy, it should be peace. Nothing of darkness. In fact, the shadows don't belong in darkness. Shadows only come out in the light. So let your shadow be one of good influence. Father, I pray for all my brothers and sisters in here this morning. Lord, I pray... Lord, that we look to you, who is the author and finisher of everything. Lord, you and only you are the light of the world. We get our light from you. And Lord, we need to be in right relationship so that our influence in our lives is one of good. So Father, help us. Help us to trust in you. Help us to live our lives according to your word. Help us to be strong in that word. And help us to be people who spread love and peace and joy and gentleness and truth. And may we see people come to know you through your work in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.